0: How's everybody doing? Everybody doing well? I tell you, I got so caught up in that last song we were singing. I, I love that song that the band did. Uh, and uh, I was just thinking about the lyrics uh, as as we were singing together there. Since your love got a hold of me, I am a new creation. How many of you celebrate that truth with me this morning? That since the love of God got hold of us, we are a new creation. What truth that is and I tell you, it's just wonderful to be able to just sing that together and worship God together in spirit and truth. Uh, I'm excited about uh, the message this morning, what God's going to teach us through this message. I've been very excited about the whole series and just what I I feel like God is doing uh, in us and through us as we uh, continue to study together uh, what marriage is supposed to look like as God designed it, what, uh, what families are supposed to look like. And the purpose and understanding of all that has just been really encouraging to me you know uh, I tell you last weekend I just got to celebrate our family fun day I know a lot of you guys were out there we had over 400 people that showed up and and it was just a wonderful time together just it was so laid back but it was so wonderful just to to be out there as a faith family just uh, celebrating together and then tonight I'm very encouraged about tonight as well we're doing a um, a, our first annual and I say first annual because we the staff and I want to do this every year, but uh, having our first annual renewal banquet where we have uh, families come in here, couples come in here to renew their vows and to, to just really celebrate marriage. And tonight, uh, we have 250 couples signed up to be a part of that great uh, time together. What I tell you, that just says to me that there are so many people that are very encouraged about celebrating their marriage and, and growing deeper and growing wider and growing stronger. In their marriages. So I'm excited about tonight as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you're missing out on that, uh, there's always next year, I guess. But we're going to be doing a lot of things throughout the year to celebrate growing deeper and growing wider and growing stronger. That's a, really an emphasis that we're embracing as a staff and as a church as we march through 2016. In fact, next week we're going to start a series called Come Follow Me. And uh, and, and, and it's a, it's a series that's going to really... Whereas this one has been focused on relationships, this next one is going to really challenge us as individual followers of Christ Jesus and the reality that Jesus has, uh, has really just instilled upon us as disciples to not just simply be a fan, not to just simply be you know, a guy who says, yeah, Jesus is he's awesome, you know? but to be truly a follower of Christ Jesus. And so what Jesus does is he challenges, in fact, all through Scripture, to come follow him. So we're going to be looking at what that means uh, as individual followers of Christ Jesus. What does it mean to to follow Jesus and talk about how we as individuals can grow deeper and grow wider and grow stronger. And so that's an emphasis of ours as we move throughout 2016. And I'm I'm encouraged by how God's moving. And so I want to pray for us this morning. Then we're going to dive into the uh, the Word of God and, and just see what he has in store for us today. So pray with me if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we just thank You for this day and we thank You, God, for Your presence in our life. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity we have to come here and worship You together in spirit and truth. Lord, to celebrate baptism this morning, to celebrate just the presence of God in our life, to to experience worship with uh, authenticity, to, to celebrate in spirit and in truth. God, we are so thankful for Your presence in our life. And God, how you're moving in such a remarkable way in the life of our church, but also in the lives of of our married families, and and Lord, just how you're moving in spectacular ways there. God, as we seek to understand more about marriages, we seek to understand more about how to be parents. God, you continue to fill us up. And so, Father, we are thankful for that. Lord, we love you so much. And as we dive into your Word today, I pray, God, that you would just move In a mighty way, I pray that you would stir our hearts and our souls and that, Lord, in the end, Lord, we would just bring glory to your name. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, the the message is titled, Gospel-Centered Design. Gospel-Centered Design. You know, one of the things that we notice in Scripture as we we look in Scripture, we notice that in Scripture, it, it teaches us a lot about marriage. But one of the things that it teaches us is not just a lot of things about marriage, it teaches us the way God designed marriage. And we begin to notice as we study systematically through the Scriptures that that, that this is a gospel centered design, that God had great purpose in not only creating, but instituting marriage. And so this morning as we get ready to dive into this message, you know, we begin to notice very specific things about the, the the marriage that maybe we haven't yet talked about, we begin to realize that, that God had a very specific purpose in creating marriage, that there was a, a very specific design. He had a, a, a big reason to create and institute marriage. You know, as we've been planning to, to build a new and permanent home for Cross Point Church out there on the land, and I thank God for the... The sunny days that we've had over the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of progress being made. But you know, before we can pour even one ounce of concrete out there, before we can begin to stand the steel, there has to be a design put into place. And I've been amazed by how detailed the the architectural design is for a, a new church home. You know, uh, it's not just a, a floor plan. You know, I, I used to think that, that really that's about what you had as a floor plan. But there's there's all kind of engineered drawings that have to come together for for, the, for this building to be created. It begins with looking at the foundational plans. It, it, you know, it moves into uh, electrical engineers doing their part and, and heating and air people doing their part. Because we certainly want heating and air in, in South Georgia, don't we? And so... You know, all these different engineers are coming together and they're all designing what would be best for us as a church to have in our new permanent home. And I've been amazed by how detailed that is. In the same way, God designed marriage to be a specific way. He designed marriage to exist in its very unique and divinely designed way. God had great purpose in marriage, ultimately, to glorify Himself through our marriages. And we're going to be looking at that design today. We've talked a lot about marriage so far, and we're going to dive into more of it today. But where we're going today is Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. You can go ahead and turn there in your scriptures. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. But it deals with the design of marriage in a couple of very important ways one of the things one of the questions that jesus was asked as he was doing his ministry was 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 a question concerning divorce we're going to be looking at that in a huge way and i just want to on the onset of this message i want to i want to just say something about that you know we live in a culture today where nearly every one of us is in some way affected by divorce we see divorce in, in a lot of different circles of life i know growing up as a as a child, I was uh, I was a part of a divorced family. My parents divorced when I was just six years old, and I didn't understand it. At six years old, how can you understand it, really? But I, I just knew that my parents had had split up. They had divorced, and one had moved to another town. and And over the course of the years, my dad, and my mom, did the best that they could to raise us and 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 raise my my sisters and and uh, we loved them both, and it, it was as good as it could be, I guess. But the reality is, is that that was my reality. I was a part of a divorced family. Many of us have family members who are going through divorce, or we have friends and neighbors or co-workers have, who have gone through divorce. Maybe some have remarried, some haven't. But divorce has its effect on our culture today. Divorce has, no doubt, its place in our society today. It's It's a reality in our world. And no doubt it was a reality in Jesus' world because Jesus was asked about divorce. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. But what Jesus does is pretty remarkable is He answers the questions that He asks. And He deals with two issues that are very important for us to understand in the culture in which we live. I want to say on the onset... I want to just go ahead and throw this truth out because I know so many of us are affected by divorce in some way or another. I want to say this, that divorce is not the unpardonable sin. It's a sin, no doubt, but it's not the unpardonable sin. It's not an unpardonable sin. Praise God that the only unpardonable sin that exists is an unceasing denial that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? And so we celebrate that there is grace for all sin. Jesus died on the cross that we would be forgiven for our sins. And that's something that we need to understand as we dive into this truth today. These are the words of Christ that we'll be looking at. But remember, Jesus is the Lord. He is the founder. He is the Father of grace. Amen? And so we're going to be diving into this passage today and looking at this in Matthew chapter 19, verses 1-6. through 6. Read with me if you will. Hopefully you've already turned there. In our passage today, Jesus is traveling through the land as He often did. Jesus was walking from village to village. This this often was something that Jesus uh, did as He went throughout the land. And and it was amazing the crowds that He would draw. But one of the things that happened quite frequently, actually, was many times people would approach Jesus with their questions. And sometimes those people that approached Jesus with their questions were religious leaders known as Pharisees or Sadducees, different scribes and lawyers. People would often approach Jesus. And and, and many times the questions that they were asking were questions designed to disprove Jesus as Lord and Savior. And this is one of those situations where it says in the Scriptures that the Pharisees approached Jesus and they asked Him a question and their, their intent was to really test Jesus to see how he might answer this question and so he we read this in the passage today and that's the context of what we see in verses 1 through 6 now read this with me if you will Matthew 19 verses 1 through 6 it says now when Jesus had finished these sayings he was teaching in the villages he went away from Galilee and he entered into the this region of Of Judea beyond the Jordan and a large crowd followed him and he healed them there and the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause and he answered in verse 4 he says have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Now in this series, we've been talking a lot about marriage. We've been looking at all the different aspects of marriage as God created it and as He Instituted it. We started off by looking in the scriptures at how God instituted marriage through His sovereignty. We saw where God brought Adam and Eve together, and we discussed in that series, in that sermon, about how God, in His sovereignty, brought woman to man. In other words, we were looking at the reality that God brought them together, and we discussed the reality that love is not necessarily the greatest reason to get married but rather recognizing that God has brought you together for the purpose of marriage, that in this marriage you would bring glory to Him, is the ultimate reason that God created marriage. And this is the best reason that we would want to get married, knowing that God has brought us together. And so we we discussed that and we looked at that. We also looked at how ultimately marriage is, is designed it is purposed to bring glory to God. That in our marriage, we have entered into something that is much bigger than ourselves. We have entered into something that is a covenant relationship with God. And that ultimately, through our marriage, we are called to preach a sermon to the world, helping others to, re- to, to know this image or to see this image of Christ and his relationship to his bride, the church. And so ultimately, we were created to marry, and, and through marriage, we would glorify God. By preaching a sermon to the world, and that people in our marriages would be able to see this relationship between Jesus and the church, his bride. And so we looked at that. We also looked at the different roles that we are to carry out as husbands and wives. You know, the Bible talks a lot about the the reality that both man and woman are created equal, but yet as they enter into a marriage relationship, their roles are different. And so we looked at that a couple of weeks ago, and that's something that the the Bible teaches us on, something we included in the series as we looked at marriage and family and understanding all of that. But today, we wrap up this series and we begin to see that Jesus focuses on something that I believe is something that must be said if we're going to talk about marriage today in the world in which we live. Here's a situation where Jesus was asked a question, is there any reasonable reason, is there anything that we could say would be a cause for divorce? And I want us to look at this. Because one of the first things that Jesus does is He reveals a truth that really doesn't have anything to do with divorce. He takes us to a place which is really the beginning of marriage. And what we see here is this truth that Jesus is unveiling to us in His response to the Pharisees. He is asked the question, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And look at how He answered in verse 4. He says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. And so what Jesus does here is he, 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 he hears their question. And there's no doubt this is a very important question that Jesus would ask. Is there any reason for divorce? But Jesus wants to be very clear that the, 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 the profoundness of marriage, the design of marriage... The reality that God created and instituted marriage and that God had great purpose in marriage is understood clearly. He doesn't just go straight to the answer to their question, but in reality, he takes us all the way back to Genesis chapter two, which is where we began this series. And he talks about this reality that it is God who created marriage. It was not man's idea to do this. It was God's idea. It was not man's design. He didn't give Adam the freedom to just, you know, just, hey, I want you to come up with this idea of marriage and put it together and I'll, I'll sign off on it. No, it was God's design. It was God's idea. And it was God who created marriage and instituted marriage after forming man and wife. And so here we see, we see this, Jesus taking people back to the beginning, taking us all the way back to the creation and institution of marriage. And I want us to notice something here, because what Jesus reveals is the truth that marriage is designed for man and woman. We need to be very clear of that. That's what the Bible teaches. We live in a culture today that goes against that. But the Bible teaches, what the Word of God teaches, is that marriage was designed for man and woman. He says here, have you not read who created them from the beginning, making them male and female. Jesus placing great emphasis on male and female created to marry. There's no doubt that we live in an American culture today that has accepted same-sex marriage. It's all around us. We see it in the news. We see it in our television shows that we watch. We see it in the movies that we watch. There's no doubt that American culture has embraced this idea of same-sex marriage But there's something else that's taking place in our culture and something I think we need to be very aware of is that also what's taking place is that this American culture, this culture that we live in, it is also doing everything it can to propagate this myth that same-sex marriage is acceptable to God. This is what we see every day. And the reality is this, is that Scripture teaches that that's just not true. In fact, what teacher what, what scripture teaches us is that sexual immorality of any kind is not acceptable to God. I don't care if it's an adulterous relationship, I don't care if it's if it's someone on the internet watching pornography, I don't care if it's homosexuality. What the scriptures teach us is that sexual immorality is a sin, just like many other types of sin, and no sin is acceptable to God. This is what the scriptures are teaching us. And I think it's really interesting that when Jesus was asked a question on divorce, he says to them, let me take you back to the beginning for just a moment. Let's go all the way back to Genesis 2 where God created man and he created woman and he brought them together through his sovereignty and it was in that great act, that divine movement, if you will, that he created and he ultimately instituted this thing called marriage. And so here's where we find the Word of God landing as it pertains to God's design uh, for marriage. He goes on to say, after emphasizing, emphasizing that, that God made male and female, he says in verse 5, he says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This emphasis placed on one flesh is hugely important as well. Because you see, the way God designed marriage is that man would come together with woman. And they wouldn't just simply come together, man and woman together. But yet, what would happen is that they would come together, man and woman, as one flesh entering into a coveted relationship with God Himself. And so it's not just a man and a woman coming together. Marriage is designed for for those followers of Christ Jesus who come together and where Jesus Christ becomes the glue that binds the relationship together because this covenant relationship that has taken place between man and woman is also with God. And so here we see the sanctity of marriage. Jesus says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Jesus may have never mentioned homosexuality in all of His teachings, but He made it very clear when asked about marriage that marriage was between man and woman. Now moving to the question that Jesus was asked. And this is the Pharisees as they approached. They said, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And Jesus begins to make something else very clear to us. Jesus says this, He he basically reveals this, is that marriage is ultimately designed to be permanent that marriage is designed to be permanent. Now I know, we know a lot of people who are divorced. In fact, maybe some of us here today have been divorced or divorced and remarried. But that doesn't take away from the reality that what God designed in marriage, when He created it, when He instituted it, that it was designed to remain permanent. And so here we see this truth that's being revealed to us and and taught to us through the Word, as Jesus continues to address this question that the Pharisees were asking. He says in verse 6, He says, So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Now He goes on having great conversation about this, and I wish we had time in just one sermon to discuss all of this. But the reality is this, is that what Jesus says is, is this, is that marriage was designed? It was designed to be permanent. When God instituted marriage, His plan, His will for marriage, is that it would be unending, that it would, it would last uh, until death do them part. And so here we see something that is, is very important that Jesus is communicating this permanence of marriage. And He is, he, he is really revealing some very important things to us. That we need to understand, marriage is vastly. This is this is really where he just sort of centers in home, and this is what makes it so critical for us to understand it. As Jesus says these words, he says, I mean, he he basically reveals this truth to us that marriage is vastly more important than maybe what we consider it to be. That's what Jesus is revealing here, as he dives into this. He says in verse six, "What God has joined together." Let not man separate. That sounds so final, doesn't it? It sounds very important. It sounds very profound as as we look at this. And and what I I take away from this is this idea that at whatever cost, we should fight for our marriages. At whatever cost, we should fight for our marriages. Because marriage is hugely important. Jesus seems to be emphasizing this truth to us. He seems to be helping us to realize that what we're entering into when we enter into a marriage is something that we need to consider the cost of before we enter into it. I love what Diedrich Bonhoeffer once wrote talking about marriage. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a a German theologian and he was also a pastor. Uh, He ended up dying for his faith. uh, but, But one of the things that Diedrich Bonhoeffer once wrote, he wrote a good bit about marriage, As he wrote these words. He says, Marriage is more than your love for one another. And that's the point I believe that Jesus is trying to make. Marriage is important. It's more important than just two people coming together and saying, we love each other. There's greater significance, there's greater design, and there's greater purpose than just two people loving each other. And so he starts off and he says, Marriage is more than your love for one another. It has a higher dignity and power for it is God's holy ordinance through which He wills to perpetuate the human race till the end of time. In your love, you only see two selves in the world, but in marriage, you are a link in the chain of generations which God calls His kingdom. Now, I read that, when I first read it, you may be kind of responding like I did. I thought, what in the world is he saying? I mean, you know, uh, I guess, you know, just him being German, I was, I was having a hard time tracking, but I, I started looking at this. And I'll tell you, it was just so, it was so profound to me what he was saying. He says, marriage is, is more than just two 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 people who come together who say, hey, we love each other, we want to get married. Marriage is much more profound than that. And he he brings up two points here that I think are worth looking at. He says, for it is God's holy ordinance. God's holy ordinance through which He wills to perpetuate the human race until the end of time. In other words, to sustain the human race to carry on the human race. And so marriage is of great significance, he says, in that regard. But then he also says this. He says, in marriage, you are a link in the chain of the generations which God calls into His kingdom. And one of the things we looked at last week was the reality that as parents, that we are called to not just raise our children, but to ultimately bring them to know the Lord, to teach them the precepts of God's Word, To help them understand the significance of being a follower of Christ Jesus. And to ultimately bring glory to God through their salvation and their sanctification. This is one of the great purposes and designs of being parents in this world. Here, what Bonhoeffer brings up is something else. He says, not only the chain of generations, but the the emphasis that not only do we have this responsibility to our children, but we also have this responsibility to whoever is aware of our marriage relationship. One of the things that we say around here a lot, one of the things that is, is very uh, very important for us to understand is that in our marriage, we are literally preaching a sermon to the world. Because what Scripture teaches us about marriage is that as we live out our lives as husband and wife, that what people should see in that relationship is a resemblance of Jesus Christ and His bride, the church. And so as we live out our relationship with each other, people should be able to see the image of Christ in our life. I love what Bonhoeffer, he goes on to say this, talking about the reality that this is something we should fight for. He says, as you gave the ring to one another and now have received it a second time from the hand of a pastor, so love comes from you, but marriage from above from God as high as God is above man so high are the sanctity the rights and the promise of love it is not your love that sustains the marriage but from now on the marriage that sustains your love you know we mentioned in one of the other messages prior to this that nowhere in scripture does it say marry the one that you love But in Scripture, it teaches us that we should love the one whom we have married. And what a great truth for us to understand here today as we try to understand God's design for marriage. No doubt that love should be a part of our marriage. But the Bible teaches us that when we move into this marriage relationship, that the marriage should be that which sustains our love for one another. You see, God has a great purpose for marriage. God has a great plan and design marriage and we can understand it as we dive into God's word now here's the two truths that Jesus has presented that marriage is between man and woman he has also presented that God designed it to be permanent and as you can imagine there were a lot of questions that came after that right we see it every day in our world today in fact as pastors at this church oftentimes the questions that we receive through counseling are questions pertaining to to marriage, or even questions about divorce. We see this almost on a daily basis. Because people, as we look into the passage and we see all that the Bible teaches us about marriage, about the holy design, about the holy purpose behind marriage, that it does bring about questions. And as Jesus was presenting these truths to the Pharisees, there were those questions that begin to arise. The first thing we see is the Pharisees questioning Jesus on this point. They were like, okay, so you say that nobody should divorce. Well, what about Moses? And this is their response to Jesus. They point back and they say, what about Moses who said it was okay to divorce? And here's how Jesus answered that question. Jesus says in Matthew 19, verse 8, he says, and it said, He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses has allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. The point that. That Moses is making here is this. Excuse me. That Jesus is making here about Moses is that Moses surrendered to the will of the people. In other words, he was he 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 just basically said because of their hardened hearts that he he was going to just you know do what you do what you will with it. But what Jesus says is this. He says what you need to understand is this is that's not the way God designed it. The reality is. We will continually see people move toward divorce. We will see that in our country. We will see that in our church. We will see that in our communities. We will have friends that move into divorce. We will have family members who move into divorce. We may be here this morning even contemplating it ourselves. But what we need to hear very clearly is that's not the way God designed it. And if you're wondering today, is your marriage worth fighting for? The answer is a resounding yes, it is. It's worth fighting for. Because that's what God desires of your marriage. And so we see this as we, as we look at this. So how do we make the best of this? How do, we, how do we hold on to our marriages? How do we make our marriages work when we're struggling with them? Uh, how, do we, how do we hold on? And You know, I, I was thinking about this and thinking about how we could sort of wrap this thing up. And I was trying to come up with ten ways that you could make your marriage healthy. And then I realized there's really only one they really only one. And so here it is. Recognize that it all begins and ends with Jesus. Recognize and embrace this truth. That it all begins and it ends with Jesus. You see, the reality is this. We will never be able to fully love one another. We will never be able to live out our marriage the way God planned it if we don't first love Jesus. Amen? We've got to love Jesus. We've got to bring Jesus into our relationships. We've got to bring Jesus into our marriage. We've got to bring Jesus into our families, into our parenting. We've got to bring Jesus into it because ultimately, if we don't love Jesus, if we don't have a great desire to follow Him, if we don't have a great desire to seek first His righteousness, we will never really be very good at all the rest. If we want good, healthy marriages the way God designed our marriages to be, Jesus has to be first. If we want good, healthy families where our children grow up and they're, they're obedient and they're respectful and they're living their life for Jesus, then Jesus has to be first in our lives as parents. This is where it begins and this is where ultimately it ends. Jesus has to be first. I was looking up quotes from different people about marriage, and I came across one by Tim Tebow. You don't have to be a Florida fan to like Tim Tebow. I like Tim Tebow, but I do not like Florida. Okay, I'll just, I'll just put that out there, okay? Yes, amen. <clears throat> and just in case you're wondering, I know this is a question that may arise, that if you are a fan of Florida or Alabama, you will not go to heaven. I'll just say that. I'm just going to be honest, okay? Some of you come to me with those questions all the time, and I'm 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 real quick to try to lead people to Jesus when they ask me about Florida or Alabama. But I like this quote by Tim Tebow. I thought it was cool because he's not married. I wonder why anybody would ask. You know, I mean, you know, maybe he should be. I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of people that want to marry Tim Tebow. I don't know. You know, but, but I, I thought it was interesting he was asked about marriage. And this is what he had to say. And it, it's really the last part of it that really kind of struck me the most. He says this. He says, if you're married and you have a wife. And then he started sobbing. Because <laughs> that's what, no, he didn't really. Uh, <laughs> that's what Florida people do. They cry when they get sentimental. No, I'm kidding. This is terrible of me. Excuse me while I repent. He says, if you're married and you have a wife and you really love your wife, is it good enough to only say to your wife, I love her the day you get married? Or should you tell her every single day when you wake up and every opportunity? And that's how I feel about my relationship with Jesus. And it is that that is the most important thing in my life. You know, I was thinking about this, this thing that He said. And should that day come when He marries, okay? Okay. I'm praying for him. But I think he's got it right. Because you see, before he even enters into marriage, he's already declaring to the world, and I know to himself that Jesus Christ is the most important thing in his life. You see, it begins and it ends with Jesus. We've got to bring Jesus into our lives. We've got to bring Jesus into our marriages. We've got to bring Jesus into our families. We've got to bring Jesus into our Life, if we're ever going to experience the fullness of God. I love how Paul prays for spiritual strength in Ephesians chapter 3. You see, one of the things that we all need here today is the reality in our life is that we need spiritual strength. Amen? And life is not easy. Marriage is not easy. I'm still praying that God would change my wife's heart. No, I'm kidding. She's not in here, so I could say that. I'm just kidding. I said that in the first service, and she's she already told me to get out when I get no I'm kidding. Life is hard. Marriage is hard. Marriage is difficult. And the whole purpose behind this series is to bring us to a place where we would long for spiritual depth and spiritual width in our marriages and our relationships, our families ultimately through this series, that we would long for spiritual strength in our our marriages and our families. That even in our lives as individual followers of Christ, that the one thing that would be on our hearts above and beyond everything else in our life would be spiritual strength in our life. And that's what we see the Apostle Paul praying for in Ephesians 3. The Apostle Paul, he understands the need for strength in our life and our relationships. He understands the need for spiritual strength every single day of our life. And so the thing that, that Paul prays for is spiritual strength. That he would be stronger as he tries to live out his life as a follower of Christ Jesus. So he says these words, he prays these words. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. You know, one of the greatest places we can be when we pray to the Father is on our knees. He's on our knees. I think it reveals so much about us, about who we are and our our. Understanding of who God is when we fall prostrate before Him. When we humbly bow before Him. And Paul says here, he says, I bow on my knees before the Father. Revealing to us the seriousness of His prayer. And he prays this, he says, From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, that He might grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You being rooted and grounded in Him. What Paul is praying for the Ephesians is this. He says, I get on my knees and I pray for you. I pray for strength in your life because here's what I know that everything you need in your life as individuals, everything you need in your life as a couple, everything that you need in your life as you raise your children, everything that you need in your life, it all comes from Jesus who dwells so richly within you. And so His prayer for the Ephesians, His prayer... For himself and our prayer this morning should be that we pray for God to move in our hearts in a way that he never has before we have what we need in Jesus Jesus is sufficient Jimmy Evans wrote a book called marriage on the rock not marriage on the rocks but marriage on the rock and he talked about the reality of that our marriage has to be founded upon Jesus, who is our rock. He talked about the reality that that the four greatest things that we need, that we seek as individuals, is acceptance and identity, security, and purpose. And what he goes on to say is this, is that Jesus Christ is the source for all of that. You see, we as believers, we as Christians, we as people... We want to know that we are loved despite our faults. Amen? And Jesus can offer that. We want to know exactly who we are. That's why we pursue so greatly our identity. We want to find that we have security in something or someone. And Jesus can offer that. And we want to live our life with great purpose. And Jesus offers that. So Paul's prayer for the Ephesians is this. That we would find strength. They would find strength in Christ who dwells within them. I love how he sort of wraps this prayer up in verse 20 when he says this about Jesus. And this is where I want to end today. He says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now to Him, meaning Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly more than we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To Him, meaning Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly more than we could ask or think. No matter where we are today in our relationships, no matter where we find ourselves in our singleness, no no matter where we find ourselves as we walk the courses of this life, Jesus Christ can do abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Let us give our life to Jesus Christ. Let us follow the One who can not only restore and not only can heal, but can redeem who can use a broken man to fulfill his will and purpose to advance the kingdom of God. Who can use broken relationships as he restores them as testimonies to the world of God's graces. Let us turn to Jesus when we need Him most. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to stand and we're going to sing and. This morning, if your greatest need as a couple is to come to this altar and pray, if your greatest need as a single person is to come to this altar and pray and ask Jesus to be the source for all of those things in your life, then you come and pray. Our pastors will be down front. I'll be down front. If you have questions like so many of us do concerning these issues that we've looked at today, then come and we're, we're willing to sit with you and help you to answer these questions as it pertains to God's Word. We are here for you because we love you. And we want to see God grow in you. We want to ultimately grow deeper and wider and stronger in everything that we do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. God, thank you that despite the many questions that we we have that flow through our mind, despite the the reality that the world defines marriage and so many different ways than what Your Word does. God, we know that, Lord, when we need grace, when we need forgiveness, when we need love, when we need acceptance, God, when we need strength and power, when we need peace that surpasses all understanding, God, it's so encouraging to us to know. That Jesus not only saves, but that Jesus restores. That Jesus, He heals. God, we are thankful for our Savior. Lord, we love You and we praise You and we worship You in the name of Christ. Amen.